saying, Lord, I want to love my wife as Christ loved the church. And a wife is on her knees saying, Lord, I want to submit to my husband as I submit unto you. On our knees, a glorious marriage is founded. That's where it happens. God, by design, bringing a man and a woman to the end of themselves, reaching for something more profound than they can do and saying, God, I can't do this. They're both saying, Lord, I can't do this. And they're both exactly where God wants us to be. Couples will offer up many reasons for divorcing, but one we've all heard said is, we just aren't happy. Happiness wasn't God's primary goal in creating marriage. As Pastor Daniel will explain, what God wants is for us to be holy. And when we submit to His will for a godly marriage, happiness is an outgrowth of that. Now, let's join Pastor Daniel in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 22, for our continuing study entitled, Marriage, a Total Mess. You give me the, the ability. You allow me to do it. Now, what's interesting about this is then he goes on in verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Now, it's interesting that husbands being the head of the wife has nothing to do with worth. It simply has to do with leadership and unity within a family. If you read Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, it says that there is no difference between male and female. So it's not that God asks women to submit to their husbands because men are worth more. He does it because in any family there needs to be leadership and unity. It's not by chance that when something scary happens, you wives hit your husband and say, go fix that. Figure out what that is. My wife does that to me all the time. And one of these times I'm going to look at her and she wakes me up. There was a noise downstairs. I'm like, man, it's the 21st century. You go. I'm sleeping. (laughs) Would that make me a lousy husband? That wouldn't make me a lousy husband, right? You think Lynn would be right to pop me in the eye one? Maybe not that far. But you know what I mean? It's like, why? Because men are supposed to take the leadership to take care of that. So it's not about worth. See, that's where this thing gets all crooked. People say, oh, men are worth more than women. No, no, no. Listen, every woman wants to be protected by her man. And even those of you women who are tough, I don't want to be protected by anyone. I can take care of myself. Deep down, deep down in your heart, you really want to have a man around who you can lean on. Not because you're less. I guess I'm here to tell you every guy wants to be a hero for his wife. Every man wants that. I want to get it. When, when, I, when there's a noise downstairs and Lynn hits me, I'm like out the door like Braveheart. I'm like, I'm in like my man glory. Like, Yeah. Who's in my house messing with my family, you know? And I'm, because every man wants to be the hero of his wife. And we're going to get to that in a moment. Every man wants that. And every woman wants to know that she's got a man who she can trust. Not because she needs him, but because she knows she's not supposed to fight those battles. She knows she's not supposed to get calloused hands. She's not supposed to get dirt under her nails. That's her husband's job. Isn't it true? It is true, isn't it? 
No matter what our culture tells us, that's true. A woman loves it when a man is looking out for her. And men, you feel the most like a man when you're looking out for your wife, aren't you? When you're trying to do things for her good, for her blessing. So it's not about worth. It's simply about the order and unity and leadership within a family. And so he he says again, therefore, just as this church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. In everything. So, submit seriously? Yeah, seriously. Now, we're going to see the whole picture now. Because it's not just, okay, wife, submit. It's not that. Because look at what happens. Look what a wife is submitting to. Look what it says, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So for a simple point, kind of fun, dude, die for love. Dude, die for love. That's the point. Dude, die. Wives, look at your husband and say, dude, die. Go ahead. Dude, that's right. Don't be scared. Say it louder. You might, this might be your only shot to do this. So live it up while you can. Drive it like you stole it. No. Dude, die for love. That's what this verse says. It says, husbands, love your wives. The word love, it's the word, it's a derivative of the word agape, which means the self-sacrificing love of God. God did it for us at the cross of Jesus Christ when he, because of his great love that he had for us, sent Jesus to die. And he's saying, dude, die for that woman. Die for that woman. And that's a powerful reality. That, listen, guys, our culture tells us that your job is just to make a little money and you can sit on your reclining chair, you can get a PhD in channel surfing. That's not what God has you there for. Don't get me wrong, channel surfing's fun and some of us are really good at that. You know, you got it all, never mind. You guys know the techniques, we got it, you know. How many of you live in a house where you wives, you can't even figure out how to use the remotes, but your husband got it dialed in, right? That's by design. I'm just kidding. Guys are like, shh. That's man coach. God has blessed you with a spouse that you would love her like Jesus loves you. That you would be willing to love her not because of what you can get from her, but what you can give to her. There's a blog post that's just going viral that marriage isn't for you. How many of you read that? Yes, a guy named Sam Smith wrote that. And the point of the whole thing was freaking out about marriage. And the guy's dad's like, no, no, you're being selfish. Marriage isn't about you. Your marriage is about your spouse. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think Sam Smith took it far enough because marriage isn't just about not being about us, but being about our spouse. It's actually about Jesus. But it's, it's a nearer next step than it being all about me. And the reason marriages break down at the rate they do is because there's so much selfishness. But dude, I'm here to tell you, you need to die for your wife. Give up your rights, your life, your dreams. And you say, Lord, it's about this woman's best interest. Now, I know what you guys are thinking. Fusco, you are loco. How is that possible? You don't even know what she's like. 
You should see her when she wakes up in the morning before coffee. I mean, you don't even know what goes down behind closed doors. Listen, I'm here to tell you, you're right, I don't know. Praise the Lord. But what I do know is that I don't know how to do it either. And I get on my knees before the Lord and I say, God, teach me how to love Lynn like you love me. It doesn't come naturally. That's the point. It doesn't happen by chance. We find ourselves on our knees saying, God, will you help me be the man that you are asking me to be? And you know what you find? When a man is on his knees saying, Lord, I want to love my wife as Christ loved the church, and a wife is on her knees saying, Lord, I want to submit to my husband as I submit unto you, on our knees, a glorious marriage is founded. That's where it happens. God, by design, bringing a man and a woman to the end of themselves, reaching for something more profound than they can do and saying, God, I can't do this. They're both saying, Lord, I can't do this. And they're both exactly where God wants us to be. That's how God uses marriage. It's a matrix of mutual humility where you find yourself, I can't do this. It's impossible, God. Only you can do it in me. And that's exactly where God wants us on our knees saying, God, not my will, but yours be done. Lord, I can't do it. Help me do it. Lord, I, this is beyond me. And the Lord's like, you're right, but it's not beyond me. I've already done it. I want you to learn how to respond to me as a husband. Respond to me as a wife. It reminds us of Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, when Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and what? Follow me. See, Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you need to give up your right to yourself. You need to die, and then you follow me as a living sacrifice. See, you notice this? What God asks for a wife is what he asks for everybody. What God asks for a husband is what? What he asks for everybody. So it's amazing. The reality is amazing that God for husband and wife is not asking any of us to do anything different than what he's asked all of us to do already. So what's the problemo? But we have a problem with it, don't we? There's that part of us that just doesn't like what we're being asked to do. But Jesus has asked all of us for these things. He's asked to be mutually submissive. His wives submit to your husbands. He said, all of us, deny yourself, die to yourself, and follow me. And we're saying, well, I don't want to love this woman as Christ loved church. See, it's just straight rebellion on our parts. Because God is not asking any of us anything different than what he's asked all of us to do but we do it in the context of a family, of a marriage. Now, you get submit seriously, yep. You get dude, die for love, yep. Now look at what happens next. Verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Now, you see what's going on here. Remember I told you that it's really not just about husbands and wives, it's about Jesus and the church? The Apostle Paul now, he was talking about marriage, but now he's completely off the rails from the marriage talk. Because by the middle of verse 27, he's like, that he might present her to himself a glorious what? Church. Husbands, don't call your wives a church. 
You know what I mean? Paul, he's, he's left husbands and wives, and now he's focusing in his heart on Jesus and his church. But we learn a lot about what it means to be a husband, what it means to be a wife. Because what we learn here is that we need to make her radiant. Make her radiant. That word, a glorious church, it could also be translated a radiant church. So the idea is within marriage, just the way Jesus has grabbed us as individuals and as believers collectively, what has he done? He's sanctified us, set us apart, taken us out of the world and said, you are mine, cleansed us. God is washing us over and over again. Why? That God may present us to himself, a radiant bride. How many of you have been to a wedding where the bride is radiant? It's beautiful, isn't it? It's just there's nothing more amazing than a radiant bride. I remember when I got married to my wife, we were in Yosemite National Park in that little chapel there. And I remember it was, we got married on the first day of spring. When we were booking it, they're like, look, you're either going to be snowed out of the park or it might be okay. And it was, and it was beautiful, 80 degrees for like the three weeks before. And I remember they opened the doors of that chapel open and all the sun came. I could just see the silhouette of my wife. And man, talk about radiance. I was like, Lord, I started bawling. I was that guy, you know? That's why when I do weddings now, when the bride is presented, I always look at the, at the, at the groom. Because all of a sudden, that guy's got the gas face on. I'm like... <laughs> it's an awesome moment when a man sees his bride-to-be and she's radiant. And that is exactly what we're supposed to be doing because that's what Jesus is doing with us. God wants to present us to himself without any spots or wrinkles, not jacked up, messed up, crooked, none of that stuff. Our job, husbands, is to make your wife radiant. And it reminds me, of course, of Psalm 34, verse 5. It says, they looked to him and they were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. They looked to him and they were radiant. That's what God wants in marriages. He wants husbands to wash their wives with the water of the word. Now, let me, I want, I want to demystify something for you. Because a lot of couples I've seen have major issues over how do we wash our wives with the water of the word. I remember when I first got married, I thought that that mean I need to have like this crazy high-powered Bible study with Lynn. Like I need to sit her down and be like, okay, sweetie, we're going to do First Chronicles, I'm going to go through every single name. I'm going to tell you what it means. I'm going to tell you how it relates to our life together. Right? Talk about making her radiant. I made her cross-eyed. I mean, I look handsome or cross-eyed, but you know what I mean? It's just like, she was just like, how many young Christian couples struggle because you don't know how to do this? Now I'm here to tell you, guys, this might be the most best piece of marital advice I'll ever give you. Just ask. Say, honey, I want to wash you in the word. What does that look like for you? For some ladies, I, was like, I just want you to read me the Bible. Okay, that's easy. Some will say, hey, I want, to read, I want you to read me the Bible, and we'll talk about it. Other you guys are saying, look, I'm not a good reader. She'll say, well, I want you to sit me down, and I'll read it to you. See, every wife knows how she wants her and her husband's relationship in the Lord to come together. So just simply ask. For my wife, my wife, what she loves the most is when we just share about what God is doing. 
What are you reading in your quiet time? How's it ministering to you? That doesn't need to be everybody's thing. That's just my wife and my thing. So we'll come out of our quiet times and she's just so, what did the Lord share with you? And I'll start saying, man, he was, God was blowing my mind with this. Or, hey, I really struggled. God said, I was reading his word, said this, and I'm just realized I'm not living that at all. And she's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll pray for you. And she's got that little smirk on, you know? See, there's no program to it. But you just, guys, simply ask over lunch or dinner or later to say, sweetie, how can I make you radiant by the sharing together? And some of you wise men, look, I just, I just want you to pray for me, but not when I'm there because that'll freak me out. It's okay. Our job is to make our wives radiant. That's our job. Just like Jesus is doing in his church, that is our job as men. Now, it goes on from there, because look at what it says, verse 28. It says, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now, brothers and sisters, we need to remember our reality. We need to remember our reality. And notice what he's saying here. He's saying that Christ loves the church not as if we were his body, but because we are, in fact, his body. When, when it says that we are the body of Christ, it's not like, yeah, we're kind of like the hands and feet of Jesus. No, we are literally the body of Christ. We are his hands and feet. And husbands, listen, you and your wife, you are one flesh. And that's why the apostle Paul said, listen, nobody ever hates his own flesh, but he nourishes it and he cherishes it. It's very rare and only in a person who has become completely disassociated with what it means to be human that they do not take care of themselves, make themselves survive. Everybody cherishes themselves. That's why Jesus said that you should love God and you love others as you what? Love yourself. It's already implied that we love ourselves. And so each one of us, you wake up, you clothe yourself a certain way, you do yourself up a certain way, you comb or don't comb your hair a certain way. Because everybody implicitly does it to themselves. And what the Apostle Paul is saying here is, listen, it's completely illogical not to take care and love your wife because you two are one. And this is the way Satan blows apart marriages. He divides and conquers. He starts making you think that you are not on the same team. But no, it's funny. You are the same team. He can tell you you may not be functioning as the same team, but you and your wife, you guys are one. That's God's math. One man plus one woman equals one flesh. And we have to be careful because we have to remember our reality that although we are unique and diverse, we are still one. We are one. Notice, the Lord cherishes the church. Husbands are meant to cherish their wives. We are on the same team. We are one flesh. And then, of course, the Apostle Paul quotes Genesis chapter 2. Verse 24, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That is the most foundational and fundamental passage from the creation account about what marriage is. That God takes a man from one nuclear family 
and a woman from another nuclear family, and they leave those primary families and they make a brand new family. And that family takes precedence over every other family. That's God's design. So we need to remember our reality because we are members of one another. We are, although many members, one body. And that is true for us as the church with our head Jesus and in individual families. So God asks married couples to place each other's well-being higher than what does the family of origin look like. You know the old mother-in-law joke? That's a sad joke, but it's true because what happens is, is men and wives, they leave their father and mother, they start a new family, but they believe that the ties to their family of origin is greater than their new family. And that's not God's design. So you allow the family of origin to negatively impact this new family that God is making. And that's completely out of order. The moment a man and a woman get married, your new family takes precedence over your family of origin. They do. That's God's design for it. But sometimes we forget what God's design is. Now, look at where we close. Look at what he says in verse 32. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. We close with this reality that marriage is more. Marriage is more. Notice what he says. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Now listen, this is important. Marriage is more. Why? People say to me all the time, especially when their marriage is bad, they said, doesn't God want me to be happy? How many of you feel that way? Don't raise your hand. Just a lot of us. Doesn't God want me to be happy? Listen. The answer is God wants you to be holy. And happiness is an outgrowth of holiness. And the reason we live in a day and age where marriages are failing and people are unhappy because we don't realize happiness is not an end in itself. It's the outgrowth of holiness. And when we realize that our marriage is not just about one man and one woman being happy with a white picket fence and 2.3 kids and a good retirement package, when we realize it's about more than that, it's about Jesus and his church, the reason there is so many issues in marriage today is because Satan wants to break down the picture to the world of Jesus and his church, which is the marriage of a man to a woman that lasts and flourishes. So marriage is more. It's not just about you and your spouse. It's about something so much bigger and greater. It's about Jesus and his church, that picture to the world that says there is a God and he sent his son Jesus and Jesus has come to redeem his people. And every time a marriage breaks down, Satan's like, yep, see, people won't think God is faithful because marriages can't stay together. Now, even with that being stated, marriage is more We close now in verse 33. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Jesus is... 
I want to thank you so much for listening to Jesus is Real Radio. We are on the radio because we want to see all of God's children learn how to simply respond to Jesus. Jesus is at street level. He is where the rubber meets the road in your world and in my world, right where we are and where everybody is. And it is our hope to see Jesus is Real Radio reach every single living soul who is alive on the earth in this generation. God's heart is that not any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. And we realize the radio is an amazing opportunity to reach some of the more than six or seven billion people on the earth. So listen. We're on the radio because people have given so that we can be. Now listen, God is generous and God invites us to be generous in the entirety of our lives. You should be plugged into a local church and you should be faithfully giving to that local church. We thank God for the local congregation scattered all over the world. But if you're one of those people who want to step into giving over and above what you would to your local congregation, and if you're being blessed by the Jesus is Real Radio ministry, we would invite you to come and partner with us. Literally, we want to see the message of the good news of the finished work of Jesus not only reach everybody here in America, but everybody across Europe, in the 1040 window, across Southeast Asia, all the way, all the way to the Far East for us. We want everyone here, and it's going to take people like you and like me to step on into that. So seek the Lord and simply respond to Jesus, and we're going to trust Him to do all that He wants to do with Jesus' Real Radio. God bless you. My